one of y'all grab me that podium over there. No, our dude right now. This is, uh, I'm going to do something really magical today. You're going to hear a sermon that's hopefully going to be faster than rain. So I just hope Pastor Scott's taking notes so that he sees it can be done. I'd <laughs> if you don't know what's going on in my life, I have a short window when I can tease my boss. That's great. Uh, I, my name is Tom. I'm one of the pastors here, and we are grateful that you come out on Memorial Day, a day that is about it took sacrifice to be able to be on a major road out in the open telling the world that we believe in Jesus. So it's a big deal to us. I want to, uh, I want to give you an update on my wife. Uh, my 39-year-old, very sassy, uh, fun-loving, more friends than I ever knew she had until recently wife, was out for a walk with her mom because they do this weird thing called exercise that I just personally don't believe in, but, you know... I'm progressive, I guess, and I accept her as she is. Um, she was literally talking to her mom, walking down our, our home street, and she had turned to her mom and said, you know, I really, think, uh, I really think I should sign up for a half marathon. So that's why I think the stroke had already kicked in, because that's a terrible idea. <laughs> and when she, was, when she was walking, she started to jog just a little bit forward, and she stopped, and she goes, whoa. And she, she started not making sense almost immediately. She said, okay, not okay, like just on a loop. Um, and then she sat down on the grass, and she was immediately starting to feel like there was no sensation on the entire right side of her body, though she couldn't communicate that. Um, she seemed uh, almost hysterical to us. See, we're ready for things. And, uh, and it was scary. And she came home, and at first we thought that maybe she was just having a, a strange response. Yeah, I hear the thunder, too. I'm with you. I've got the metal podium in front of me. I'm going to wrap this up. <laughs> um, and, uh, and we took her to the hospital. And all the signs said this is not a stroke. This is something else. Maybe it's, she's had optic migraines in the past, so maybe it was a, it was a migraine just kind of messing with her. And it wasn't. Um, and then it took four hours for a proper doctor to come and see her. And they were able to find a one-inch by two-inch block, uh, block in her brain. So it went from, no, it's small. It's not small. Okay, well, it's not a stroke. Oh, it is. And it went from, they walked into our room and they said, okay, we're going to transfer her from Troy uh, to Royal Oak, which if you're not from this area, is, is a good 30 to 40 minutes away based on traffic and the fact that we're in a state of construction in our state constantly. And uh, we were like, okay, so her mom is an RN, uh, is a nurse. She's got 40 years of experience in the medical field, so she's the one we wanted in the ambulance because I can pray and make jokes, but it's not helpful. And so we wanted her to, to be in the ambulance, and she said, oh, it's not an ambulance. It's, uh, we're going to take her by... Uh, air medevac, and uh, that explained what I thought was a very, uh, very bad air conditioning system going. That was a helicopter landing outside of our room, and it was kind of all hitting us at once. At the same time, I got a message later that one of the people who was instrumental in my wife becoming a Christian 
was only a few rooms over from us having a heart event and saw the helicopter, took a picture of it and said, honey, I don't know why, but we need to pray for this person. And that was one of the women who discipled Jonas happened to be in the hospital. Um, he, her son comes and plays guitar here every once in a while. He has like very long hair and always wears flannel. And that's Jacob. That's, he's one of my boys that, that I've helped disciple. And that family just happened to be right there praying next to us. And we're texting and we're scared. Um, I didn't know what to do. I, uh, I just remembered the scriptures. They would talk about praying over the head of somebody. I didn't have any oil on me. Um, they talked about anointing somebody's head with oil when praying for them. So I prayed over my wife through the tears, just saying, I pray in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit that Jenna be protected, that she be returned to us, and that she return to bringing joy, hope, and peace in the name of Jesus into this world. Would you bring that now and protect her? And then within five minutes of telling us she's going to go on a helicopter, she was already in the air. And I'm a nerd, so I took video of it because I'm like, I don't know what to do. And before we could even get out of the parking lot, she was being air rushed over to Royal Oak. We sat in several waiting rooms trying to get answers, asking every question about our medical history that we possibly could. Uh, And we do not know what caused that stroke. Um, and when she was in the ICU, we were praying and saying, God, I don't know what you would do, but please help. There's a natural question that comes out when it comes to faith and people who believe in God and what they do with that, and that's why do bad things happen to good people? I feel like that's a reasonable question. I, I feel like you wrestle with that. And what I want to tell you is why did our family coexist with fear? and hope and confidence at the same time. How can that possibly exist in the same space? And I, I want to tell you that really quickly. And uh, I hope you'll forgive me, but I'm going to read a little bit from here because um, it's, it's been a heck of a week. A kind of rest that you can feel when you feel exhausted that doesn't make your eyes any less heavy, but gives you a sense of peace a peace that you can have and be terrified at the same time and be so scared, not knowing what's going to happen. I think it's because I've connected with the Lord and my family is connected with the Lord God in ways that can't be defeated by bad times or bad people or bad situations. I think, um, I think that there's something more beautiful in faith that awaits you that is out there that is different than maybe of what you've seen in the world. Maybe maybe Christianity seems ridiculous to you because you've met too many Christians, all right? And I get it. We are a hot mess. We say weird, awkward things. We have weird opinions. I get it. I, I totally understand it. But I want to tell you that there's something deeper that's in our hearts. It's when you've experienced true love that it changes you. Not love that can be defeated by divorce, that can be defeated by rejection. And I'm talking about not just rejection of you, but rejection of people that you love and you're watching them being turned away. A peace that's deeper than any philosophical stance that you can take or any resolve that you choose to have. A peace that says that God is close to you and that he knows. I believe that there are inherently spiritual things in this world um, that point to our God. Uh, I think creation points to it. Um, you see a thunderstorm coming and I see something that's amazing that we're still taking data on to try to get our heads around what exactly, 
how can we make rain come and we still haven't found a way to help the rest of the world where starvation and a lack of clean water exists. And I tell you, but look, God's thing is doing its thing. Creation points to it. And if you make an effort to change your perspective, you can see the wonder of it all. I think creation exists in the stars for us to see. I think justice points to the fact that there's a God. Justice, when you see something wrong, finally get corrected in a cruel and dark world where it seems like there is so much darkness in the world and you see these little fine points of light pierce through that darkness. Where you see children all over an entire continent in Africa right now who do not have clean water, who are starving, who are praying for God to come through. And for a few of those children, some of them actually do get rescued. I think justice is part of when it says in the book of Genesis that we're made in God's image. That sense inside of you that when you see something wrong, you want to make it right. When many of you who, who call me church family who heard that Jenna was hurting, there was a piece of your heart, that, that compassion that existed out of you. I believe that that was part of God inside of you. And I think it's in everybody. But then there's love. Not the love that people claim to have for you. Not that live in just words or promises or vows. We've all seen vows broken. I mean the kind of love that is tested. And I promise you, once you found that kind of love and you let it into your heart and pierce your vision so that you can see it everywhere, even from those who turn on you, people who believe that you are capable of the worst rumor that they have heard, and especially those that turn on you, that kind of love changes everything. It doesn't get killed by doubt or confusion. In fact, this kind of love is when you start to doubt, you realize that that's the hunger pains of your faith saying, are you ready for more? Are you ready for more faith? I believe that doubt is the greatest opportunity to experience something richer and deeper. Ask any marriage that has stood the test of great conflict and they will tell you we came closer together in the end. I think doubt is just conflict waiting to get resolved. I think it's your dad calling you and saying, I'm ready, to believe, I'm ready for you to believe more now. And it's not something as stubborn or foolish as dogma. When you no longer judge what justice is, and then you instead look at the rest of the movement of what I believe God to be a trinity. When you find out that questioning God is actually worshiping God at the same time because you're putting him in a place where he's worthy to be questioned, you start to realize that there's a better love out there because healthy relationships ask questions. That is the love that no dogma in its, that has no dogma in its heart. Rather, it has life because you have to be alive to ask questions. And I have found that that kind of love that carries us, that's what Jesus says, and he says, bring me your burdens and I will carry them away. It's one of his great calls to us because Jesus did more than just heal or teach or bring justice into the world or give the widow her coin. He did more than just provide basic needs for somebody. He did more than just thoughts and prayers. He did full-on love. By the way, we love thoughts and prayers in our house. Prayers have carried us and kept us from feeling alone in the midst of it all from humanity. But even if none of you had prayed, we would have still felt the Lord because he's greater. But we are grateful for it. John 15, 13. John is the guy in the Bible, just to give you quick context, he was Jesus' best friend from what we know. In fact, he described himself 
kind of a humble brag, is the one who Jesus loved most. He writes this, uh, describing something that Jesus said before he ever died for us. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friend. Jesus laid down his life and he called me a friend. And that love changes everything. It gives me peace because his death allowed a connection in our hearts to help us then connect to what I call the Holy Spirit. And because of that Holy Spirit, I feel connected to God above. And a life may not be okay. Jenna might not be okay. All the things are looking good right now, and I'll give you more detail in a moment. But even if death happens, and it will someday, she may have a full recovery, but she's going to go someday. And so am I, and so are you. I'm sorry. <laughs> even in it all, when you're lost, <laughs> this is proven. The Bible puts it this way, that perfect love casts out fear. I'm trying to explain to my daughters, I have a, a, a four-year-old, which is turning five this week, and an eight-year-old who's turning nine in June. And I'm trying to explain to them that fear and hope and confidence all live together. It's not binary. It's not black and white. It's just, it is, and it's all together. But there's something beautiful about hope and faith, and if mom's not okay, it's going to be okay because Jesus is okay. I'm trying to help her make that connection. But what I want to tell you is that you can have that kind of love in your life, that I've and praying over my best friend, whispering into her that God is close. You start to understand that when we ask for God's presence to be in our lives, that his presence isn't a thing that's going to fix it all. He's not promising that he's going to come and he's going to take away every sickness. But he's going to be close. And isn't that what you want most from the people that you love? Is just to be close to him close to them. And I realized that God is close and he's in the room and he knows what's happening. And I wasn't turning over my shoulder saying words that I can't say in church. Why aren't you fixing this? Hey, there's a great quote from Brene Brown. She said, if you really want to know the best people who have had the most amazing faith in this life, it's the people who have done lots of praying and lots of cussing. I'm not going to lie. Your spouse has a stroke out of nowhere. You may swear. Okay, so... <laughs> But I felt, I felt like a genuine peace, but not like the kind of peace that I've seen in movies where they're like, oh, it's all well, don't we find one with the force? Like, there was nothing like that. It was a piece of, he's close, so it'll be okay. We had an amazing speaker come out uh, to our church before. His name was Sujo John, and he survived the 9-11's attack. His wife was in one tower, and he was in the other. Um, and look him up on YouTube, S-U-J-O, Sujo, and then John, J-O-H-N. If you look him up, he did an interview with Morgan Freeman. And Morgan Freeman is, is pressing him, trying to say, like, how can you believe in God? Like, it wasn't going to be okay. Sujo was literally praying with people as the tower was falling and killed every person he was praying with, and he survived. And he said, that's what you need to understand, is that when you feel like God is close to you, it's going to be okay even if you do die. And it's not just about, I know that I'm going to go to heaven someday, like it's all going to work out there, because that's nonsense to try to explain to a four-year-old. She'll go to heaven. Isn't that better? No. 
I'm saying that it's deeper than the easy access I can give you before it rains understanding. It's a life. And I felt like he was close. There's a, uh, a deeper confidence, a deeper faith that you can have that isn't judged by happiness and blessings of your life. It's found in the one who laid down his life for you. He's proven his love, and that is enough. His grace is sufficient. God is better. Him being close is better than any blessing. Don't live your life in your faith just saying that if I'm faithful and I pass it through, then I'll receive a blessing. May I offer you now that if you live this life and you say, Jesus, I want you close now, you can have Jesus, and he's enough. He's enough. And to me, my judgment of God sometimes says, I just need Jenna. God's saying, but Jenna can't heal any of this. But I can. I'm enough. And I love you. And I've proven it over and over again. And I am. It costs something to be able to tell you this today. I would, if we were living in a lot of other countries right now, and we as a church, we support missionaries who are in hidden places right now where they're not allowed to tell you that there's a hope, that there are people out there whose wives and children are suffering, and they have no other hope other than make the bombing stop. And that's where we bring the hope of the gospel. I, um, I try to be really careful not to go America, Jesus, and biscuits. Like, I try not to live that, that kind of life. But I also am very grateful that I can stand out here and tell you this today. So we thought it appropriate um, to tell you that we as a church are deeply honored um, by those who have sacrificed uh, their lives and who would give time also to have time out of their lives taken to serve their country, a country founded on, from those who were seeking religious freedom. So we've asked three of them to come forward and to read a letter that we think so well encapsulates the sacrifices that have been made. Then we'll play a recording of a song and then we'll have a moment of silence. So while they're doing this, let me, let me tell you this right now. My wife is learning how to speak again. She can't feel anything on her right side at all right now, um, but there are like little signs that she happens. She can't speak very clearly, so I know lots of you want to come by and visit, um, but right now, that would actually be really exhausting for her. She's got about five to ten minutes in her, and then she has to go sleep for a couple hours. That's, that's usually what that's like right now. You good, brother? Okay. Where she's at right now uh, is that with her benefits and all of that, we're really grateful that she's been able to do... Yep. Yeah, why don't you come over here and hold on to this? Now Steve's going to give the second sermon. <laughs> and we are so thankful for everybody that wants to help us. But here's what I'm trying to do as a dad. I'm, I'm trying to help my daughters have as normal of a life as possible. Um, I want them to have confidence that uh, we are praying and then this is how you do it and that you don't let fear own your life, but it's okay when you are afraid. You know, we're trying to kind of balance that delicately. So if, if you want to know, like, and get updates from Jenna, texting me is not the best way to do it. Even when everything's gravy, I'm not great at texting. So uh, there's a group that you can go on on Facebook. It's called Fight for Jenna because we're trying to teach people that the best fighting that we do, the way that we win our battles is, is praying. So if you would do that, that would, that would mean the world to us. 
But now we want to turn it over. And we've asked three of our members from our military to read a letter. Dear Madam, I have shown in the files of the, I have been shown in the files of the War Department a statement of the Adjutant General of Massachusetts that you are the mother of five sons who have died gloriously on the field of battle. I feel how weak and fruitless must be any word of mine which should attempt to beguile you from the grief of a loss so overwhelming. But I cannot refrain from tendering you to the consolation that may be found in the thanks of the Republic they died to save. I pray that our Heavenly Father may assuage the anguish of your bereavement and leave you only the cherished memory of loved and lost and the solemn pride that must be have yours to have laid so costly a sacrifice upon the altar of freedom. Yours, very sincerely and respectfully, A. Abraham Lincoln. Seconds of, we'd like to take 30 seconds of silence in their memory. Greater love is no one than this, but he who has laid down his life for his friend. God, we thank you that you are close, that you are near, that you love us, and that you have called us to tell more people that there is love that is found in you. And it is in your name we all pray. Amen. Everybody except for those who have previously served, would you have a seat?